Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Deconstructing Disney here on Commented, where we take a deep dive into the making, origin, and lasting impact of Disney films. I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Nia. And I'm Cor- Decoria. And this week we'll be taking a look at the Disney film Lady and the Tramp. Bum, bum. Lady and the Tramp was, made, was released June 20, 1955. It's 76 minutes long. Um, the budget was $4 million, but has grossed, and I think on its first release, it was $96 million, something like that, or something, $40 million or something like that. Uh, Lady and the Tramp is the story of a Cocker Spaniel named Lady and a, uh, not abandoned dog, a street dog named the Tramp, and how the two um, meet and basically have this kind of adventure story um, on this romantic journey and they fall in love. And so, yes, um, have you watched Lady and the Tramp before this? No. First time watching it. Okay. Okay, what about you, Corey? Uh, I have definitely seen this before, probably maybe like twice, because I remember distinctly some of the scenes, especially like the Siamese song and uh, the spaghetti scene. Of course, everybody knows that. I remember the beginning part too, so I know for mm-hmm. sure I've seen this. Mm-hmm. What about you, Nia? Yeah, same. I've seen. I think, I, if I think correctly, I think I had this on VHS, but I don't remember. It's been so long. Um, but I've seen this plenty of times. I remember what's weird is like certain scenes stuck in my head that they weren't like the really faint, like they were like the dog was sniffing and I, my brain was like, huh? And <laughs> not the things that matter a lot, but just like certain things vaguely popped into my head. So in certain yeah. songs I remembered. So yeah, I had, I've seen yes. this a couple of times. What about you? I remembered, um, much more of Lady and Trump than I thought I did. Um, and a lot of things that I definitely forgot and I was like, oh, but when it like came on screen, I was like, oh, of course, yeah, that happened. Um, but of course y'all know I have this on, it's on VHS somewhere down in the stairs of the box. Um, and it's, uh, it's probably, I was surprised at how old it was. Cause I feel like this belongs in the golden age of Disney. Cause I've definitely seen this movie like five times <laughs> as a kid <laughs> or maybe that was my mother just popping it back in the VHS who knows but yeah um I remember the music or at least the one song more than anything and so yes we're gonna hop into Disney's 15th animated series recap so we start our story in the upper echelons they got money here in this little this little village. It's Christmas, and we see a man giving his wife a box. And she's like, "Oh, it's a hat. It's the one I've been looking for." Look at him paying attention. And she opens the box as a dog, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, it's a dog. She's so cute. Her name is we name her Lady because she's so cute. She's a little cocker spaniel. She's so pretty. The big old floppy ears. And after they name her." And, you know, love on her a little bit. They immediately put her, well, <laughs> the husband, who's called Jim Deere. Jim Deere is basically like, um, yes, we're going to put the dog, the puppy that we just got today, uh-huh. leave her in the laundry room. And I was like, this man has never had a dog in his entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Literally. that dog about to tear all that shit up. <laughs> all right. I was like, first of all, she's not about to be quiet. Second of all, you really gonna leave her alone? Alone. <laughs> Yeah, like, are you are you sure about that? I want you to think very <laughs> carefully to, about this decision. I would need you to rub the two brain cells together and try that again. 
But they leave Lady downstairs in the laundry room. And of course, ladies are smart. Dogs are smart. She's like, the door swings, opening it. You try to tell her to stop and do it again like she understands you. She's been here for two seconds. <laughs> and she says, the door swings open. I'm going to go out of it. So then he puts a chair in front of the door. She starts howling because that's what puppies do. You are not about to leave me alone, afraid, scared, and confused in this dark room and this house. But again, dogs are smart. So what does she do? knock on the door to the chair moves and then she goes upstairs and they're like just for one night i was like lies it's never just for one night once your dog is on your bed you're never getting them off (laughs) um and so we get this flash forward to six months later where lady gets her license which means she's now you know you know a, a very high breed dog she's got a license a color and whatever and so then we get to meet her neighbors. We have the Scottish Terrier named Jacques and the Bloodhound named Trusty. And we get to watch. Well, first of all, Lady wakes up everybody up on a Saturday because he's like, oh, he's like, yeah, I'm getting up. Yeah, I'm getting up. And then he goes back to lay down. And I was like, she's still got to pee. <laughs> what? <laughs> of course, she's going to wake up the same time every morning. That's what dogs do. And but she had a, she has a doggy door. So, you know, we are no no accidents in the house. She she goes in the backyard. She you know buries her bone, mess with the birds, and then we get to go meet Jacques the uh the terrier who is burying his bones. It was very interesting. Was that like a garden, like in the middle of their in the middle of these houses, like a a park mm-hmm. or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's at the park, and so she's like, "Look, I have a new collar." That she goes to so uh, goes to show Trusty, and we learn Trusty. Um, was a bloodhound. I was highly triggered when they say that he used to hunt people in a swamp. I was like, mm, yeah. I, I was like, huh? <laughs> um, okay. But so we get to see the the you know the upper um high class life of Miss Lady and her friends. And so then we get on the other sides of the tracks. Homeboy named Tramp wakes up. You know, gets him some water. He's like. It's time to eat. So he decides he's going to walk around the city and he goes to this place called Tony's where they give him a bone. And then he breaks out his fellow, um, you know, street dog friends from being hound, being from the dog catcher. And so then we hop over back to Lady and we see that our, our, our baby girl is upset. What's upset? What's wrong? She says the human. She says, now this is so cute because she calls them Jim Deer and Darling. And that's what the the couple calls each other and i didn't recognize that until like 20 minutes mm-hmm. on the film i was like oh of course she wouldn't be calling them by their names mm-hmm. she's calling them what she's used to them hearing them say and it just reminded me of this video on tiktok of um this like uh girl and her niece and <laughs> because she calls her boyfriend bay the baby calls him bay <laughs> like knocking on the door bay <laughs> and i'm like that's adorable um but yes i thought that was a very interesting um perspective to put in the film um but yeah so jock and trusty are like well what's 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 good what's going on well come to find out that you know jim deer and darling are um pregnant uh jim deer called her that dog uh which i was offended by i was like what do you mean that dog um but of course she's a new puppy so she's never met a baby so they're a little cautious which i understand but like you train the dog well and they'll protect that baby for life and so while um they're having this conversation in the backyard the tramp walks by the tramp walks by he's like oh you mean a baby um he's like yeah when a baby moves in the dog moves out and i was like sir we didn't need you to to induce this 
unwanted fear all of a sudden <laughs> where did you even come from uh, you don't even live here Jump hopping into people's conversations like that and so you get to see the process of darling being pregnant and jim Gear going out to get cravings for her and i feel like that was left in for adults which was really interesting and so um then the baby is born and it's a it's a boy and you know we get to see jim Deere all excited and you know lady's a little um concerned that she's gonna be you know um less fun but when she meets the baby and darling introduces to her she was like oh we got to protect the little kid we got to protect the little child and so jim Deere and darling leave on vacation and i was like y'all just had this baby and you going on vacation already is she still like breastfeeding i was so confused because there's no other servants in this house so he obviously doesn't have a wet nurse um and considering all the shit that went down i'm like how are you leaving didn't y'all just have i needed a passage of time had it been months <laughs> had it been a few days a few weeks um, but yeah, they basically Jim Darling, um, Jim Deere and Darling go on vacation and then motherfucking Aunt Sarah and her goddamn nightmare inducing Siamese cats come to babysit and watch the dog. So Aunt Sarah gets there at first and she's like, oh, I have to go see my nephew. She runs upstairs and Lady is literally just looking at the baby. She's like, oh my God, get out of here. And because she's yelling, the baby starts crying and she's like, don't worry. I won't let that dog scare you. I was like, you're the one raising your voice, madam. Excuse me. <laughs> and so then we get to, then Lady goes back downstairs and out of this basket that Aunt Sarah brought with her is these two disgusting Siamese cats. Now listen, <laughs> I don't hate cats. Um, my mother is f- f- terrified of cats. And so I grew up terrified of cats. But once we had cats on our farm, I was like, okay, cats are cool. They're fine. But these little bitches were just like, oh my God, is that a fish in a bowl? Let's eat it. And I was like, you just got here in somebody else's this, house. Why are you being so rude? <laughs> this scene started, and you know how in the beginning Disney gave the little, um, there's um, terrible depictions of people's culture in this movie. And mm-hmm. I was watching this film. I was like, when is this going to come in? And the, the music started. And then I was like, Bad. for the love of God, please tell me those are not <laughs> Siamese cats in there. And it was. Mm-hmm. I said, oh my God. Oh, I forgot you've never seen this. Yes. I've never um, seen it. I said, <laughs> I said, please. Because it, it came out and you see like the, the shape of the cats. And I was like, oh my God. It's, yeah. it's Siamese we cats. Are Siamese. Oh God, that no. song has always been stuck in my head since I was a kid. Same. Um, this uh, this scene is I don't know why I don't know maybe I'm getting this mixed up with the second movie but I always remember that scene being terrifying where Lady starts to fight with the cats uh-huh. I always remember thundering and lightning and I wonder if that's just I'm mixing the rat scene at the end with the mm. cats and that's why but still they were very creepy cats and they were rude and they were vicious and so Lady's trying to save this fish and so of course they break the bowl they start um they oh they wanted to go upstairs okay so this is why my mother is afraid of cats because it's an old wife so that cats will suck the milk off of a baby's lips and then suffocate them and so when the cats were like oh there's a baby oh there's milk for me and you so they want to go upstairs and lady is like i don't think so (laughs) i don't think so so they start to fight her and then of course aunt sarah comes downstairs thinking that um thinking that lady is the one who attacked her badass cats and then she takes her to the pet store to get a muzzle i said uh, <laughs> when, first of all 
first of all, it's not even your dog. The least you could do is just put her in the backyard. You didn't have to do all of that. So they put her on a muzzle on Lady without like even training her. You just can't put a muzzle on a dog like that. They will be terrified. Um, and so Lady runs out into the street, almost getting, um, then she gets like, she runs off to the wrong alley and almost gets, um, attacked by these stray dogs and then the tramp comes out of nowhere because the tramp is if the tramp ain't gonna do nothing else he ready to rumble ready to fight do you hear me he took on the three dogs um and he's like he calls her pidge which is pigeon and kid which i didn't realize that but like a cute little nickname i guess he's like what are you doing out in these streets babe you're 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 from the upper you're from the upper class you're not supposed to be out here and so he tells her what happened she tells him what happened she's like okay we gotta get this muzzle off you so they go to the zoo and dogs can read in this you know universe of course (laughs) so tramp tricks the security guard into thinking that this other dude had brought a dog with him to the zoo even though it says no dogs allowed and so they were able to sneak into the zoo so they go to see all the other animals first there was the monkeys he was like no nah, they're too much like humans can't do that and then <laughs> the crocodiles he was like oh no nope, gonna get your head popped off and then they find a beaver and so they they basically talk this beaver who was very you know he's got shit to do he's very busy he's trying to like close this dam and you know the the tramp and lady are definitely in his way but they basically talk him in to biting the collar off um by selling it to him it says it's like i don't know what they called it but it's like it moves logs for you and so and it's so i thought this was really cute personalization of the characters because the lady didn't miss a beat and lied to the beaver too and i was like okay we, right she's learning the ropes it's like okay she's learning the ropes she's like we're not completely just book smart all right miss lady and so it's like now we gotta go find dinner. They basically go back to Tony's, and Tony's, Tony's, Tony, the people at Tony's call Tramp Butch, and so they're like, "Butch, you have a girlfriend, okay?" So they bring him meatballs and spaghetti, and they have um, you know, this is the night, the wonderful night, and they have a song, and they do the little spaghetti scene, and it's really cute, and you're like, "Why am I?" low-key loving these dogs falling in love i don't know why but you know it's it's giving what it's supposed to give so um they have this candlelight dinner and they go to like this like makeout spot i guess in town where it's like they you know write their paws in the sand and they watch the nightfall and they wake up the next day and lady is like oops i wasn't supposed to be out all night <laughs> tramp offers to walk her home but then they decide let's go chase these hens in the farmyard for fun and lady is like um why he's like because i'm footloose and collar free baby it's just this is what the tramp does and i'm like you're going to get her arrested uh (laughs) and so they do all of this and when it's time to run off lady gets captured by the dog catcher and she's brought to the local pound and while at the pound um she finds out the tramp is a fuckboy. And I'm like, babe, I could have told you that the minute he showed up in your backyard. Because <laughs> what was he doing there in the first place? But, you know, he's had a bunch of girlfriends, you know, Trixie and Juanita Paquito, whatever that very ridiculous name was. Um, we have this whole, like, chorus of dogs singing. And they're trying to break out and all of that stuff. And then my favorite song, um, He's a Tramp, comes on. And, you know, but because lady oh we also long we also learned about dogs taking the long walk which is mean putting down if they're being the pound too long but because the lady has a license on her they call and they take her home 
She's eventually claimed by Aunt Sarah, who, like, ties her up in the backyard. So then, <laughs> this was a very weird point in the story that I did not remember. So when it came up, I was like, huh? So basically, we can assume that Jim Deere and Darling have been gone for, like, 24 hours, right? Maybe mm-hmm. approaching 40. And Jock and Trusty are like, um, they decided they're going to propose marriage to a lady because just like, um, you know, you're not being treated well here, but we have a nice houses and good food. I, like, you know, we're old, but, you know, we'll take care of you. And I'm just like, her owners are coming back. Y'all are so dramatic. <laughs> oh, I didn't mention that earlier when we got to see Lady's routine in the beginning, she also chased off a rat that was um trying to get in the house. And so then... Now we're back in the present after Jock and Trusty proposed marriage. It, she, the lady didn't really understand what they were talking about. But then the tramp comes. He's like, Pidge, I'm sorry. I thought you were behind me. And she rightfully so tells him off talking about you're a harlot. And I can't believe you left me there. She's like, you know how embarrassed I was to get arrested? Miss Lady is not a ride or die. And I, 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 I approve of this message. I support that. We support that. <laughs> so Tramp is like, oh, I'm sorry. So he leaves sad because, you know, Pidge is not, she's not with it no more. And then this nasty ass, big ass New York size rat decides <laughs> it's going to try to sneak in the house. And Lady said, on my fucking watch, I think not. She tries to get the rat off. But when the rat realizes she's been chained to the fucking doghouse, he's like, oh. I can get in now. This is why I will never have a dog door in my entire life. Do you fucking hear me? <laughs> um, but the tramp hears lady. Okay, so Aunt Sarah heals her barking and tells her to be quiet. I'm like, just tell this woman's never had a dog in her life. If my dog, my dog is loud and barks. Y'all know that. Um, but if my dog was barking this frantically, I'm like, somebody's trying to break in. The world is ending. I have to get up and see what's wrong. But Aunt Sarah's a cat person, so she don't get that. But the tramp hears lady barking. He's like, what's wrong? He's like, there's a rat inside. You got to go get it. And he's like, oh, bet. So the tramp goes through the dog door and goes up to the nursery where this rat is and i'm like out of all the places this rat could have gone why is it in the nursery with the baby <laughs> and so basically first of all also aunt seriously like a fucking vlog because this rat and the tramp are having it out bitch do you hear me it's world war z up in there and i guess because it was thunder and lightning but she didn't hear shit until the baby crib fell over <laughs> i was like <laughs> what kind of babysitter are you but the lady breaks free. She runs upstairs to the nursery. Um, the tramp has basically cornered the rat and killed it. And now he's injured. But Aunt Sarah only sees the aftermath. So she immediately calls the dog pound to have the tramp captured. And is getting mad at a lady. But then, thank God, Jim, Dar- Jim Deere and Darling show up. And they're like, what's wrong? And Aunt Sarah's like your dog harmed the baby and um you know she locks she locks lady in the basement and all that stuff lady gets out of the basement um he's like what what are you talking about lady would never hurt the baby like that so jim deer opens up the basement and she's like look at her barking and causing a mess she's like she's trying to tell us something she's a dog she doesn't talk (laughs) so she can only bark a lady shows the humans that uh tramp killed a rat jock and trusty like oh shit we need to go stop this pound car or, you know, the tramp is going to, like, either, you know, be killed or whatever. And so they go chase after this car. Now, we've been told at the beginning of the story that Trusty had lost his sense of smell. But it's not lost. He goes to find it. They start barking at the... Which is really interesting that there's there's certain animals that they choose to animate. and certain animals that they don't. Because they don't 
animate or give the horses human emotions. So when the when Trusty and Jacques find the the carriage, they start just barking at the horse until the horse basically, you know, the horse basically the whole carriage falls over and then Jim Deere and Darling go to find Tramp because they're thankful that he killed the rat and then but we find out that Trusty got injured and this was a weird cliffhanger to have in a children's <laughs> story. <laughs> It just ends on a sad note of trusty, like under the carriage, whimpering. And then the next Christmas, um, we've learned that Tramp has been adopted into the family. Lady and Tramp have puppies. The baby is bigger. Trusty's okay, and everybody is good. And we have a happily ever after. T Tada. <laughs> So yes, that was um, Lady and the Tramp. Do we have any first emotions after finishing the story? Um, it went by fast for me. It was a really short film. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking that because we watched Bambi, another animal film, and that dragged. So I was Ooh. really expecting this to be like that. Did it drag? Good God! And then when I told you when the racist um, cultural thing popped up in the beginning of the movie, I was like, in this. Yep. In a <laughs> of course. I was, like, <laughs> I was a little shocked to see that warning in the beginning. Yeah. Because I was just like, I just remember Tony and them, and I was like, oh, the cats. But then there's also like the Scottish accent, and then like the Russian dog. The Chihuahua. With the, the Chihuahua. Um, I was like, the poor choices were made. <laughs> poor choices were made. Going heavy on the stereotyping. Right. So let's jump in to interesting production facts. I have an article from Mental Floss by our girl, Stacey Conrad. Article from On The Go Mike by Shelly. Um, an e-news article by Sarah Grossbart and then Fandom Wiki. So in 1955, the film earning $7.5 million after its June 22nd release, the studio's most profitable hit, Snow White. Um, this was a f- funny line. In the 455 dog years that follow, they re-released it five times, bringing in nearly $100 million more and inspiring generations of pasta lovers to get creative with their spaghetti consumption. Whatever. That was from the e-news article. <laughs> um, there was two Two million rough drafts for this entire film, and had more than a hundred million. Two million, baby. That's crazy. Million, like two million, like just out of everything that they drew, it ended up being two million. Um, and there was more than one hundred and fifty Disney artists and animators. Uh, this was the first Disney animated feature to be filmed in CinemaScope. So CinemaScope is basically, I think it's like where you use a wide lens. Um, according to Wikipedia, it was the f- um, CinemaScope widescreen film process, as well as Disney's first animated film to be distributed by Buena Vista Division. Yeah, it received mixed reviews when it came out, I'm assuming because of all the, well, one, the the lead being a dog, second, all of the accents. Um, this was inspired by a real dog named Lady. Uh, the producer, I think one of the artists of the show has showed Walt his drawings of the Cocker Spaniel, who was learning to deal with her owner's new baby. And so that kind of snowballed this into a new idea. Um, Walt Disney came up with the name Tramp after his name was almost Homer Rags or Bozo. I was like, 
<laughs> right. Um, Ward Green and the movie's distributors protested feeling the name was a little too risque, but Walt usually, you know, got his fucking way anyway. Um, the cats were also named almost named Nip and Tuck, and ladies' owners were also almost called Mr. and Mrs. Fred. So I'm I'm glad that they did the Jim Deere and Darling thing. One of the artists had actually found the perfect model for a tramp as a stray dog, but then it got they but when they went looking for the dog again they couldn't find it and they found it at the pound and it was a female dog and so um the dog was apparently just hours away from taking the long walk when the artist went and found him and so because they used her imagery the puppy was adopted by Dolly Dolly and Owen Pope, the couple in charge of managing the horses at Disneyland as she lived out the rest of her days in luxury in fucking Disneyland. That's <laughs> so insane. Um, they literally had dogs everywhere in the Disney office when they were making this film. It wasn't just dogs. One of the animators called Wooly Ratherham kept a cage of rats next to his desk to reference for the rat fighting scene. Um, because that they were doing propaganda films, uh, even though the idea for the story was brought in 1937, by the 40s, Disney Studios had been focusing on propaganda films. So when they were working on the story, uh, Walt felt like nobody was attached to the characters. And so he removed everybody from working on Lending in the Tramp for like six months and they worked on Sleeping Beauty and then they continued with the project and he thought that there was more life in it so that's really interesting. Roy, Walt's brother, actually encouraged Walt to tackle the story again after it had almost been forgotten because of World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, giving the dog in the box was actually inspired by Walt giving his wife their dog named Sonny um, in a box on Christmas Eve. Uh, he Walt said, I picked up my chow chow from the dog kennel and I took it over, kept it in a big hat box. I got a big ribbon on it. Um, when the time came, I went over and put the little puppy in the hat box, tied it up with a ribbon so my wife didn't see me bring it in. My niece went over and said, oh, it says the, to Lily from Santa Claus. So she brought that big hat box over and put it in front of my wife. My wife said, oh, Walt, you didn't. She didn't know I bought a dog. She thought I bought her hat. So she started to open it and it moved. And when she opened it, this little child stuck its head out. And from that time on, that was her baby. I was like, oh. Mm. Um, they were also going to have a pet duck and a canary uh, named Tr- Trilby. Um, the spaghetti scene almost didn't happen, though, because Walt was like, couldn't wrap his head around two ducks having a romantic scene in, over the spaghetti, even though they had human emotions. Because when you see a dog eat a plate of spaghetti, they're not, that's, it's not pretty. <laughs> the dog is like attacking the food. And so Walt was like, I don't think we should have this. But he relented when Frank Thomas, one of the animators, convinced him. The setting of the town in Lady and the Tramp was inspired by Walt's hometown, Marceline, Missouri. Um, also serving as the inspirations for Disneyland's Main Street. Uh, the tiny town only has like 2,000 population. Uh, it is now home to the Walt Disney Hometown Museum. Um, the 50s classics is also responsible influencing another beloved Disney film, which is Toy Story. The art director, Ralph Elgelstein, um, sharing that the movie, seeing that the movie told entirely from the point of view of family pets, inspired um, him and Pixar to tell their story from Toy's perspective. So those are some fun facts. 
now we can move i think it's really interesting because as we continue to look up fun facts for stories especially Mm -hmm. the ones that are created in the 50s when walt's alive i was expecting more drama but i guess by this time this is like their 15th animated film Mm -hmm. that basically it's like whatever walt says goes because everything (laughs) is making shmoney everything to make 7.5 million dollars in 1955 ridiculous i feel like all the drama was in the early days when he wasn't doing things by the books and he still wasn't but he got written all of the people who could have gone oh. against <laughs> so like yeah. oh but i don't know if you talk about this in your hmm? section oh which section oh mine yeah did you talk about peggy suing them yes 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 just okay briefly. okay okay cool, cool, yeah. cool, okay well then let's 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 go ahead and jump into music Okay, music time. Okay, so my sources, of course, are going to come from the Wikipedia. Um, the, also, an Ask.com article titled Disney Lady and the Tramp Almost Ruined. Um, and then another Decider.com article about Lady and the Champ and the Siamese Cat Song remake. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, it was actually kind of difficult finding facts about this soundtrack besides the few that i found but i had to i had to search what i realized is that people have written more on the individual songs than the soundtrack as a whole so Mm -hmm. i don't see many articles talking about the things as a collective but people Mm -hmm. will write articles of course about what certain songs mean in retrospect um so i'm gonna probably break it down a little different so it's a shorter soundtrack it's only eight Mm -hmm. songs officially like of course there's a deluxe version especially the one that was re-released in 2016 it's a remastered i think that's the only one they sell you right now um Mm. the original was only eight songs and it kind of um uh and i'll talk about this in a second but it was composed by oliver wallace the the man who's been composing with disney for several movies now um he's a familiar face and a familiar name we've heard several throughout these disney deconstructing disney's but this was his last movie he did so all the movies that come after this like he has no involvement with so this is kind of like an end of an era for his time with disney um and then also what's so interesting is that this was like the first time that disney had really gotten like a celebrity tie-in with their Mm -hmm. music like it's almost excuse me it's almost like like, yes, they've had celebrities work on things in the past, but this was like the first time that they've had a celebrity act in it, write mm-hmm. songs with it, and then like be involved with the composing. So it's almost like a weird, it's like almost like a, a more modern take on what Disney kind of does now. Like what we'd see with Lin-Manuel Miranda, like he's helping create the story. He's helping write the songs. He's singing the songs, right? So mm-hmm. like this was very much, I feel like Disney took a risk with this because they wanted the star power of Peggy Lee, who was really famous as a singer at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wrote and contributed on some of the songs. So she had writing credits on a lot of these songs. Um, she not only voiced a character and sang songs, she was also like writing in the booth with these, with these really big, like Oliver Wallace, like these writers that Disney would work with. And that's not something that the actors had done before. So it's like her star power, was like a big deal for this movie um i feel like i want i want to know how much they paid her at the time because like it's not like she was just oh i think i saw it in another article it was not a lot of money it was not a lot of money it wasn't oh that's crazy you think like getting a it's like getting like i said lin-manuel or like getting who's really famous like bruno mars or somebody Mm -hmm. or like who who else is famous (laughs) like rihanna i guess i don't know if that's a good comparison I don't know if Peggy Lee has stands. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Right. Um, but yeah, so 
I'll talk about this in a second, but the to me when I listen to the soundtrack as a whole this soundtrack is has very much reminiscent of Alice in Wonderland in that some songs are full songs but a lot of the songs on the soundtrack are pretty much like snippets um yeah like if you watch it like what is a baby it's the song that uh lady sings on the stairs when she sees the baby for the first time there's like it's like 20 seconds like a lot of these songs on in the soundtrack which is a very short one are not even full songs and I think that it's interesting they chose to do that seeing that Alice was not one of their famous soundtracks I'm kind of curious why they chose to go that route again um but like I don't I don't dislike it but I think it's because the songs that are really famous are the ones that are full-length songs um Mm -hmm. and so what Tori talked about earlier was that in November 1998 Peggy Lee sued Disney for a breach of contract claiming that she retained the rights to transcriptions of the music arguing that videotape editions were transcriptions so she had written these songs pre-VHS video because in the 80s and 90s Disney put all of their old movies on VHS and DVD because like for those who don't know like (laughs) like it sounds so normalized now but before when you'd watch a movie in theaters so like you'd see this movie in theaters you couldn't see it at home you couldn't like get a chance to see it again unless they aired it on tv maybe or if you went back to the theater and they were showing it again so like there's that's why they would have movies playing for years like gone with the wind played for like 70 years because like if it's a really popular movie then people will go back and that was the only way you could see it again so when vhs's and dvds came and like those were invented she's like oh y'all need to pay me for this because you're using my music and disney was like nope and she was like in her argument she's like these videotape editions were the same as their transcriptions and so Mm -hmm. they had a long legal battle and she was awarded 2.3 million in 91 bitch one against disney first of all let me disney let me give you her fees. So according to Gavin, this is from cartoonbrew.com. It's an article it's an article by Brian Gabriel. And so it basically says that according to Gavin, Peggy made all of these contributions for a grand total of $4,500 in fees. Three thousand for three thousand thirty five hundred for her voice and a thousand for the song she wrote. And them bitches made seven point five million dollars. And yep. I was like, oh. That's crazy. I'm glad she's money. Right. Yeah. So she won and that's a like, she's like the fact that she won and was like, no, we're doing this. And Disney, the fact that Disney was trying to fight her on this, they could have just given like, she, I don't know why they made a stink about it, but you know, Disney lawyers, they just be Mm -hmm. crazy. But, um, but yeah. And so for the next part, I'm going to mostly talk about the songs. Um, So interestingly, the soundtrack okay in the beginning of the movie is a song called peace on earth like this Mm -hmm. movie starts out kind of Christmassy, and so they put i think they probably added peace on earth which is technically it's like a carol i didn't know this Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like it's like whenever i look this up like there's people who've done like other versions of this because it's like apparently a christmas carol so i'm like hmm interesting and then so they added that in the beginning along with the bella note like medley um I guess to represent that it's Christmas time, but I'm, I'm, it's interesting that Disney like made that stylistic choice. Um, mm-hmm. Then another really famous song. Is, well, I guess you call it famous is he's a tramp. Like there's a lot of people know this song. Um, it's yes. the song that's sung in the jail cell. Um, it's, that song is implanted in my brain. I love it so much. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's a good song. I just, I didn't know it was, I don't know how to say this. Like I thought, I, I thought like, 
it was more of a niche song, but then looking into it, like it's not like it doesn't have its own Wikipedia page, but it's still like famous. Like that song mm-hmm. is the only song of this movie to make it to even get nominated for AFI's a hundred years, a hundred songs list, even though it didn't win it, like they picked that one. And so I'm like, wow, that must have a, this song must've outlived, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the two songs I really want to talk about are the Siamese cat song and Bella Note. Um, so first off the Siamese cat song, like we all said before, this song was a racist, very much a stereotypical caricature of East Asian stereotypes I mean, the cat's names are C and Am, which is typical, like, what white people thought East Asian people were at the time, very racist Mm -hmm. stereotypes. And what's crazy is that, y'all, these cats were not a part of the original story. Like, there was no inclusion of these things. They added this in. And I feel like, I, I don't know why, but maybe they had some sort of, like, I don't know what they did. It's very weird because the cats, even though they're Siamese cats which are like cats that are native to i guess asia they grew up under aunt sarah why the fuck would they still sound like cats from east asia unless she adopted them right like somebody's like we just got these cats from china here like they even then they wouldn't sound like that they wouldn't it was it's a weird thing and it's a constant like it's the making, it's the othering of people who speak English but also have accents. Yeah. It's like because it's not that standard American white accent, it's weird and foreign. And I'm like, you guys, yeah. you, you bitches can't even speak English correctly. <laughs> yeah. And then it's the instant turning them into a villain too, like the mm-hmm. like the people of color, the p- people who are the other quote unquote automatically not being the good people right Mm -hmm. so they're so they're just another caricature another they're just stereotypes or they're just what people thought what white people thought of east asian folks at the time um this unfortunately the songs were written by peggy lee and perform like i from the sources they say she along with another person were doing this accent but i have to find more sources but like still it's so like the and it's also like being a white person doing this racist caricature yeah, it's, it's just like minstrel, layered. it's basically minstrelsy it's yeah like, it's minstrelly it's like in a it child is. i well again i don't know if this was supposed to be a child it has to be a child movie right i don't know Keep i mean i guess i mean i bet it was i feel like disney movies up until maybe the 70s were sort of like oh this is a family bring everybody type movie possibly that tramp song is lost on children like there's no yeah the pregnancy cravings is also lost on children them spending the night it's also lost on children it's like right yeah and then like Marin said in the beginning they like this movie because of that racist scene and the fact that they made it a musical number like they had to like it's crazy it's to have just these characters at all but to give them a whole like racist song with like gongs and like all the things that were just like super stereotypical super the lyrics of the song didn't even make sense (laughs) no it didn't it was like they were just it was oh it was so bad but like they had to put a disclaimer saying like this does not reflect the company we already all the yada 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 stuff so like i'm glad they have those there but still like yeah it's just it's truly is unnecessarily in this movie like this movie the fact that they went out of their way to be racist is the crazy part. Like they didn't the think like, that they don't, they wouldn't clock it as racism. It's like, yeah. this is what everybody thinks of 
Asian people. So right. we're doing the right thing. Yeah. Right, right, right. But yeah, it's just don't listen to the song. Don't support it. It's terrible. Um, and also in the this movie got adapted, I believe it was 2016 or 17. Um, and they cut this song out and they've replaced it with another song. I have not seen the remake. Um I didn't really hear many people talk about the remake. Like it mm-hmm. went straight to Disney Plus, but it's there if y'all want to see it. Apparently they changed some stuff around to get rid of the racist caricatures. So if you're gonna watch if you want to see something with a non-racist like storyline or anything, that wouldn't probably be the one to see. And also this one if you want context, but still like it's there, you know. And then on to Bella Note. So this is probably the most famous song off the soundtrack. Um, it means beautiful night in Italian. It's the title song. It's the song that repeats twice. Like it's the prologue main title and it's like a full song. So um, uh, this is, it's a song that was composed by Sonny Burke and the written and the lyrics written by Peggy Lee. I'm like, Peggy Lee, listen, the race, besides the racist song, this is like my favorite, like besides the fact that she was involved with the racist thing that I don't excuse at all but I love Bella Note so much. Like this song might be my favorite Disney song ever. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm going out of a limb because the melody is so wonderful. And like when the chorus comes in, in the second half, I'm like, Oh, this is one. Like, I don't know. There's a little sprinkle of magic on this song. So I mean, I don't know how y'all like this song as much as I do, but I absolutely. I feel like this song is like one of those things where I think of like Disney magic. Like yeah. If you yeah. went to the Disney magical tower, it's like that kind of song. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it has the that. Tramp is, the tramp is my favorite out of this this soundtrack, but yeah. Gotcha. Right, but that's a good way to put it, like that Disney magic type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I just love Bella Note so much. Like it's like the mo one of the most played songs on my phone. For Disney, my Disney playlist. Um, it was performed by Broadway actor George Givot, I think, or Givo. It could be either pronunciation. Sorry about that. And then also Bill Thompson. Um, mm-hmm. It's been covered a lot. Um, it's been um, in the fifties. A singer Ronnie Hilton covered it, but it's also part of Glee. It's one of the only Disney covers in Glee. Uh, I believe I didn't watch Glee, so I'm not a hundred percent sure. But <laughs> <laughs> but this. Um, but I think also what made this song more famous than it probably would have been on its own is the spaghetti scene. Um, I think without the spaghetti scene, I don't know if this song would be remembered at all, or I feel like it would have just been like one of those Disney songs that sounds good, but I don't know if it would have outlasted or out with or withstood time. But the spaghetti scene with that has like kept it in popular culture in a way that I don't even think Disney expected. Yeah, um, because I've never seen this movie and I know about that spaghetti scene. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And I feel like even if people don't know the name of the song, like when they see that scene, they kind of put two and two together that this song goes with that scene. Like like they can kind of even if that's I don't know how to put it, like they'll even if they may not know the words or know the title, they'll like oh, this oh, this goes with this like type of connection. Um mm-hmm. But what's interesting, it's not like, even though it's been referenced in popular culture a lot, I feel like the scene itself has out, how do I say this, out overshadowed the song. So people mm-hmm. will reference the scene, the spaghetti scene, put that in other media like 
Phineas and Ferb did a cup like a parody of it. Recess, the Disney show, um, did a parody of it. Like a lot of media cartoons, especially, will do parodies of this, but mm-hmm. they won't like the song is not necessarily the main part of why they're parodying it. So it's I feel like the song kind of took a backseat to the scene. Um, and I and I and because the song did not get a, nominated for an Oscar, none of the music did for a time. Um, it's not included on any like lists or best of lists, from what I can tell. And I mean, it's unfortunate because I, like I said, I live for this song. <laughs> um, and also, this is just me being a stan, like for a quick moment. There's a Disney's wedding album that only, like it's like an album that Disney released in like 2003 to like people play at their weddings. If you go to have a Disney wedding, they have an album that's like corresponds with it and there's a instrumental version of this song that hits and it's so beautiful um it's just like type in disney weddings bella note it is fantastic um but yeah like this song for as many times it's been referenced i feel like it's because the scene did more work than the song did in the long run it's not like a when when you wish upon a star that that song has sort of outshined pinocchio i think the opposite happened here where the scene in the spaghetti scene has made the song almost like background music. Um, yeah. And then I think partially that's because critics weren't feeling this movie a hundred percent when it was released. And so they weren't, they said the music was good, but they weren't here for it the same way they were here for previous films. So I feel like because people at the time were not gung ho about it, that it kind of took on that energy, even though the scenes from this movie have, done well I don't think the music has in the same way so but I hope that y'all listen to Bella Note stream it now <laughs> it deserves <laughs> all right thank you Mia mm-hmm. uh, let's hop into origins with Marin. okay so my sources are waltdisney.org and w oh and silverpetticoatreview.com so We've already mentioned this, but the origins of Lady and the Tramp trace back to 1937 when storyman Joe Grant shared some sketches of a Springer Springer Spaniel named Lady with Walt Disney. Walt liked the sketches and asked Grant to create a storyboard, but um, Walt was not satisfied with the final storyboard and the project went nowhere. It was just put in the back burner. Um, When it comes to... The source material, there are three different ways as to how it came about. Either in 1943, Disney read a story written by Ward Green in Cosmopolitan magazine entitled Happy Dan, the Whistling Dog, which is where I believe um, Tramp comes from. And Disney bought the rights to the story intending to use Dan in the feature film. Or two, the story was based on Joe Grant's art from the get-go. Or three, Walt bought. Walt bought the unpublished short story from Ward Green and adapted it. Um, The story was said to have appealed to Walt because it was about dogs set in a small town in America in 1910. It's different from the last few Disney films, mostly because it was an original story that Disney could really take and shape however they wanted to. In uh, 1949, Grant's original sketches were found in the studio archives and they became the basis of a more solid story and evolved into the final film. And concurrent with the early stages of the film's production, Ward Green wrote the novel Lady and the Tramp, the story of two dogs, published in 1953. This gave the audiences two years to become familiar with the story and characters portrayed in the 1955 release. 
that's, that's my a, short section. That's a really interesting publishing, like publicity tactic. It's like yeah. we're gonna give you the books two years before the movie. Read it or don't. <laughs> and then come watch the movie. That's yeah. really interesting. Um, I wish I I was gonna try and look and see if I could find Happy Dan and the Whistling Dog. Mm-hmm. But it was just like it was like books and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah. Um, but thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Moving on to similar stories of variations with Corey. Okay, so just like the couple last couple of Disney movies, this one doesn't really have many variations throughout history. If it has none at all, basically. I'm not sure if this is because it's an original work, but mm-hmm. also there haven't really been any retellings of the story in recent times besides the one remake. So I don't know if that has to do with the movie not being as popular as when it came out. Um, so mm. that was like really weird to me. Like I had like a really hard time actually like finding stuff. Like when I tried to Google it, it just kept pulling up the normal movie. It's like mm. okay, and there weren't any. There weren't even any like YouTube videos about it either that were like oh similar stories to Lady and the Tramp. So yeah, it's not as popular as I thought of it. I mean, it's not that popular at all. I don't ever see people wearing Lady and the Tramp merch and yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I watched the remake from 2019, so that's my yeah. source. And so, I'm just going to give, like, a few quick notable differences between the remake and the 19, 1955 version. So, oh, also, the Disney remake was made in 2019. Um, it was directed by Charlie Bean, who's known for making Tron Legacy, the Lego Ninjago movies. He also did some storyboarding for like Dexter's Laboratory and a bunch of other Cartoon Network shows. So notable changes. The time is a remake, uh, live action. Yeah, yeah, it's like a mixture of CGI and live action. Oh, which okay. was kind of like trailers <laughs> <laughs> really threw me off. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, the only reason oh, why I didn't weird. have like a huge issue with this because. There was a time period in the mid 2010s or early 2010s where there's a bunch of dog movies. Yeah, like, there, was. Yes, there <laughs> was. Yes. <laughs> like, what's that one movie with the Chihuahua that was voiced by George Lopez? Oh, <laughs> I, know I know what you're talking about. Beverly Hills Chihuahua. There yeah, no, no, yeah, there was a lot of those kind of movies. And then, like, the dog that reincarnates. And there was the other one where it's like the dude from. Who's in the. Who's the co star? Jennifer Lopez and her new movie. Oh, Owen Wilson. Oh, Marley and Me? Yes, Marley and Me. Yes. That movie was sad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, notable changes. The Siamese cats, the highly racist, stereotypical Chinese accent was removed, although the characters remained in the movie. The Siamese cat song was also removed and replaced with What a Shame, which is like, when I listen to it, it's literally like a cat version of Friend Like Me from Aladdin, which Mm. is kind of interesting. Also, thinking about the Siamese cat song, does anybody remember when Hilary Duff covered that song for Disney Channel? Because like, huh? like I kept thinking of that. You're yeah, lying. like she covered it in like 2006. <laughs> the Siamese cat song, the racist one. Yeah, her oh, and her God. sister covered what? the song Go on YouTube. No. Because like, I remember like I know I heard this song oh, on wait. Disney Channel, but Pause. in a different voice. Pause. 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 <laughs> Hold <laughs> up. So I have. To, we have to have this live. You have got oh no! It's See, no, because I remember I heard it on Disney Channel, but not from the movie. So, like, I know I heard the song somewhere else. Oh my god! <laughs> oh no! Yep, 
So for everybody who's having, you know, hidden memories unlocked now, I'm sorry, but. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Why is she doing that? <laughs> there was like some Disney, there was a, like a Disney album around that time where they had a yeah. bunch of Disney stars on popular shows covering a bunch of old Disney songs. So I don't know why they chose that particular one because I feel, I feel like in 2006, you know, even though people were still pretty gracious back then, they kind of they kind of should have known better. <laughs> but okay, I feel like she's singing it weirdly too. That's well, she can't sing. So, so. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, that too. Yeah, too. That too. That too. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so another notable thing: there was no zoo scene. Like, the scene of where they went to the zoo to get her muzzle removed, mm-hmm. the lady. Um, so, instead, it was replaced by a scene of Lady and the Tramp going to, like, the town square at this random statue where a beaver happened to be there. And pretty much the same thing happens where the beaver chews off her muzzle. At a statue? Uh, a beaver? <laughs> yeah, there's, like, a statue in the middle of town and the beaver just happened to be there. It was really weird. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and so another thing, Tramp gets his leg injured by a trolley instead of Trusty, the bloodhound. Um, in the first version of Lady and the Tramp, the the one that aired in movie theaters in 1955, Trusty was actually mm-hmm. killed by the trolley, but Walt Disney had that modified later. So what? the version we saw is Whoa. the modified one. <laughs> yeah, what? in the original theater version, he had the dog killed. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That... <laughs> I, when I, this was a family movie? It, I was, what? I don't know. When I found that out when I was reading this, I was like, why would he do that in the first place? Like, that's very How dark. many kids that watch this in 1955 are not traumatized? Please yeah. reach out to us on Twitter if you have been traumatized by Disney in the scene. What? Okay. And then um, Tramp's backstory is shown through a flashback in this movie. So basically, it's shown that he's taken on a trip um, as a puppy mm-hmm. and abandoned when his owners had a child well it's pretty much the backstory that you can assume from the original movie and then the remake does not end with lady and trump having puppies uh instead uh jacques who's now a female dog by the way uh her owners adopt new puppies also i liked how this movie did pretty much uh have all the music in there because usually when disney does live actions they remove like everything so right because who wants to watch a disney movie without the music yeah yeah so thank you for that um um uh lasting impacts so how has this movie affected us and others um thanks for the the telling us about that scene Corey. i'm sure there are plenty of children <laughs> who watched this movie 1955 was like i will not let my kids watch a dog die <laughs> in a film like that um i think that this this didn't have a big pop cultural in um well, no, that's a lie. Because that spaghetti scene is in every rom-com, like every yeah. other rom-com. So it did have a really big pop culture influence that is seen to this day. Um, I will say that if I ever showed this movie to my kids, because I think it does an interesting... It's a very... It's a cool story, but we'd have to have a conversation about those accents are not okay we don't depict people like that because they didn't even tramp have like also like a kind of new york accent or something like that or um i think so i think didn't like now that i think about it because i forgot about the chihuahua accent i forgot like the the latin like it was like 
vaguely stereotypically like latin Mm -hmm. latino like it was very weird and then they had uh a lot of italian accents irish accents um yeah what was was like how many people can we offend in one movie right let's take make them all one-dimensional right put it in this film making sure that they like because even the scottish accent i wasn't thrown off by it but i'm like i'm pretty sure scottish people don't sound like that (laughs) right right so i think this is the type of movie that you could let your kids watch or like if i was showing this in class and then was like we'd have to have conversation about it because you know i'm definitely not about to raise or teach kids without having them critique their media this is like one of those things you just can't let slip by because Mm -hmm. it seems small but it can it can affect how children treat other people because like imagine if a kid saw this movie and heard these accents from these cats and then heard this accent from an actual person and they go to their parent and ask them are they evil are they going to eat our fish like there's consequences to the very little things that don't seem as big it's like it's not blatant racism but it's like it's it's racist enough you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's misrepresentation and, and yeah. it's caricatures reinforcing stereotypes and harmful racist rhetoric yes 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 <laughs> absolutely um other than that i feel like it's a decent movie i haven't watched lady in the tramp too i probably watched it at least once but i don't like the animation um that a lot of the remakes of these shows have like the anim i miss the old animation technique from disney because the new one feels like nobody has any unique features anymore Mm. oh you miss the cells like because back in these days they would do it in technicolor with like cells so like they would have like like even if they're gonna do a digital i feel like they're drawing all their characters like with these really big eyes and like Mm. like the face features look the same oh i know exactly what you mean yeah, yeah. It, I think it's like I'm giving, they're not oh, giving them their um ethnic phenotypes. Yeah, yeah. like if you the, look at yeah. um Big Hero Six, Rise of the Guardians, and like uh what's Frozen, all of the yeah. characters look the same, just different like hair and eye colors. Yep. And skin yep. color. And it's just like that's I mean, that's barely I feel like they're doing it because they don't want to sing braces, but I'm like, if we're gonna do representation, like give them a black nose. Like even Tiana, it was just like Tiana's black. But like, she didn't. I don't feel like her phenotypes weren't as black as they could have been. And so, yeah. I yeah, feel like so. they do with with CG because like all the more modern movies are all done in CG. I feel like they do that because like they think well, if the environments are pretty and the characters are just like eye catching, that they don't really have to do more, or that mm-hmm. could just be what the kind of design they like, and people haven't complained about it. But yeah, to me, I yeah. feel like the old animation style, like where you actually had to like draw pay like each cell it makes you pay attention more to i mean i'm not sure i'm not an animator so i don't want to like insinuate Mm -hmm. that one's better than the other but i feel like there's definitely a different technique involved nowadays that they're using right 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 right. um i gave lady the tramp a six it wasn't bad it wasn't necessarily good i like the storyline um the Siamese cats are nightmare inducing. They truly are. That scene with the rat also nightmare inducing. Cause that was why was it raining and thundering? Um, yeah. So it's a six. I like the music. I like. I just really like the song "The Tramp" more than anything, and that's probably why that's swaying how I feel about the entire thing. Um, 
it's nice to know that they've changed a lot of it in the remakes. But I think, yeah, it's not the worst Disney film we've watched. Which is, I guess, gracious of <laughs> us. Yeah. Uh, what do you rate it, uh, Marin? Um, I rate it a five. I like the widescreen format that this movie is in. Most of mm. my Disney f- movies I watched when I was younger were like that. So, like, I did like that about this film. And I did like the animation style as well. I don't know if it changed. It just felt different, mm-hmm. I guess, because I had to work with the wider screen. Um, But it is a movie about dogs. And there's only <laughs> so much I'll hold my <laughs> attention for. So it's going to get a five for me. Right, right. Okay. What about you, Nia? Um, I'd say maybe a seven. Like I, and it could be nostalgia talking a little bit too. I mean, I love mm-hmm. the animation. Um, I feel like they did a great job animating dogs in a way that feels natural and not super exaggerated. Like the the right. dogs are still exaggerated and human like, but they still have dogness, <laughs> dognesses mm-hmm. about them. Um, yeah, and I like the pacing. This I wasn't. It was only an hour, but I didn't feel bored watching it. I was afraid right. that like this was going to be a, another Bambi or another like Pinocchio vibe or something very drear, like long. But it was really quick, and I enjoyed. Yeah, the happy I think ending. they've. I, the more we go down, like in order, we're picking up narratives that will hold the t- attention of a child. Yeah, more than that's anything. Very true. Like, and they're less and like also, art pieces. Like, I feel like in the yes. beginning, Disney was like, "Look at what we yeah. can do," and now yes. it's like. Now let's just Money. try to make yeah capitalism. Like, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah. So I I actually I enjoyed it seven. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Corey? Yeah, I thought this movie was pretty fun. This is definitely a movie that I would be willing to show my kids. Unlike the last couple of movies, oh god, which is definitely like a bonus on the points for it. Um, I like the music a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. I like dogs, so right. of course I'll yeah. like this movie. So I'll right. probably if give it like a six, six or a seven yeah. too. Yeah, if you're pro dog, this movie's great. If you're pro dog, <laughs> this movie's great. Um, but yes, that was Lydia the Tramp. Our next movie is we're definitely not watching Old Yeller. Sleeping Beauty. Ooh. Sleeping Beauty. So that'll be an interesting watch. What's after Sleeping Beauty? Um, let me Let's see. see. Sleeping Beauty. Oh, the Stone of the Sword. The Stone. The, the, mm, the Sword and the Stone. <laughs> really? That comes after Sleeping Beauty? Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't see anything. Other ones aren't animated. Oh, so. 101 Dalmatians. Oh, it does? Mm-hmm. When is 101? What year is 101 Dalmatians? 61. Okay. So yeah, that comes before Sword in the Stone. Mm-hmm. It's not on this list. This is on Disney 23. I wonder, wait, let me check something. I think it might be about who distributed it. Mm. Let me see. Nope. They're the same thing. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We really appreciate it. Um, if you appreciate it, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Um, and you can always come talk to us on Twitter at Commented or TikTok at Commented Podcast. If you check out our link tree, we also have a Discord. We're going to start planning some more community events as we move on into the rest of the year. So make sure you either join that or have your notifications on. Um, but until next time, I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Nia. And I'm Decoria. 
Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.